welcome to the Product Quest Podcast, where Jan Vermouth, Jonathan Edwards, and myself, Scott Burleson, are on a quest to better understand innovation, marketing, and product development. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Jan Schmidgen. If you missed the first half, I might recommend starting there first. Jan is an expert in design thinking and conducting workshops, and we pick up the action with Jonathan asking a question about the core components of design thinking. Right. Uh, I mean, I think we've we've touched upon, like you, you, you've thrown out little ideas around what is design thinking. I think that's kind of the background discussion uh, today. I mean, we talked about uh, you know co-creating solutions and problems. We talked about sticky notes. We've talked about all sorts of different things, prototypes. Um, I wonder if this is maybe a good time to to rather than define design thinking just say for you what are the what are the the core concepts for 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 innovation like what are the 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 core attitudes or 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 tools so you know we we hear we've not talked about the double diamond yet i i think so uh uh, you know that's that's one thing how does that fit in what what are for you really the important things i i think you did mention one so the the co-evolving problem and solution is definitely an interesting one but maybe we can just summarize this right now yes of course uh, maybe I can sh- even share my screen for those who, who watch this and for those who who listen to it, uh, we can we can just talk about it. So in general, for me, um, design thinking is kind of a set of procedures and problem solving behaviors that that we as designers, most of the time, I would have to say industrial designers, not not the, the communication designers, um, bring mm-hmm. along with us. Yeah. So, so we have a certain way to think. I, I try to avoid this mindset word all the time because I, I struggle with it a little bit. But this Why? set of procedures. <laughs> anyway, uh, there, 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 there are lots of stories for it. Um, yeah. so, 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 so that's that's what what I, what I would say is design thing. We can dive a little bit into it. Um, I share my screen yeah. in a sec about it. But in general, what it, the, the concept is has become out in the wild is this. Team-based methodology for the creation of user-centric innovation concepts. That's what it has become, and that's that's at least our view on the whole thing. And why why do I say our view? There are there are lots of discourses on design thinking. There's the design discourse itself, and there's an academic discourse, um, and then there's the managerial discourse, the management discourse, and they all have a different view on it because they discover different things about design thinking that are new to them and helpful to them. Again, what's the job to be done, uh, you know? So um, what we did is in order to to be even um, um, able to connect with our clients and to to have a common ground to start from, we created a glossary on our website. Um, And I I just opened that here and share it um, because it's so so good to explain it just um, with it. and our way of looking at it is because we found it more useful than um, the people process um, space explanation is this. We say that design thinking, um, how to say, consists of uh, the, the interconnection of practices. And this could be the process. That could be the double diamond now with the diverging and converging working phases. I was just going to say, usually, um, I mean, design thinking is this, or usually, whatever that means, it's empathize, define, uh, ideate. So de- that is design thinking, but it seems like that's only exactly. that's one third or a part of how you understand. Exactly, it. exactly. Um, the thing is, um, again, also these practices are a mesh up and they are stolen from all kinds of <laughs> professional fields and put together into this codification. And this is now the, 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 uh, Potsdam way of, 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 of presenting it. There are also lots of other ways. You have the analysis synthesis model, which resembles this learning cycle from David Kolb. It's a different um, um, representation of it and so on and so forth. Um, and in there, all these practices, if you zoom in from, from the different fields and the different domains, engineers, if they build prototypes, they follow certain things. You could have in, within design thinking, when you build a prototype and it's a more complex one, you could use Scrum, for example. Okay, so you steal that and, and, and put that together. Um, but Scrum could also use design thinking. Um, let's say if they, if, they, if they go to users and build a little experiment. So, so the question is, what is what? It's this rough and dull discussion we have all the time, also in these different uh, circles. Um, 
so, so, so we just call it practices to make it easier. So we, we, we help ourselves everywhere and put it together. And now this has become the dominant codified process. Um, this would be the practices. Um, these practices are heavily influenced by the mindset we bring along with. Uh, there, there, there it is again, this word, but I ra rather like to call them principles because uh, in a mindset, there's always that also implies sometimes values and you don't have to uh, necessarily accept certain things um, and, and live with certain values. Um, but you can work according to principles. There are lots of people who do design thinking, even though this would never be a lifestyle to them. Um, and so we rather keep, uh, call the principles and there we emphasize all these things like the, the, the usual suspects. Let's go down here. There you can see them. Um, for example, uh, experiment permanently. Yeah? Move between the construct and uh, the concrete and the abstract. Um, this is the build to think. Um, navigate ambiguity. So being um, fine with ambiguity and, 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 and standing it. So also keep uh, um, how to say, be patient and stay in the in, in, in the uh, in the problem space before jumping to solutions um, prematurely. This is the yeah. big problem we have all the time. Um, and all the other principles. There are different models okay. out there. Um, most of the time, what is heavily emphasized if you talk about design thinking is the user centeredness, the prototyping. Um, the iteration and so on and so forth. So depending on what model you use or, or what school of thought you subscribe to, these principles might differ, but you have these principles. Okay, they, they, they definitely um, influence the process, but these principles also need to be sorted or they support what we call techniques. Other people would call them tools or methods. And there it's really all the, the usual things that we used. Uh, you know, there are all these toolkits out there. Uh, could be all the brainstorming techniques, could be all these 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 tools like user journey mapping, could be the value proposition canvas, the business model canvas, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Okay. So and so it's these yeah. three things just to repeat. So it's it's practice, which is something like the method or an approach or whatever. So in a, in a, in a broader process, sense, process, process, like processes that you configure yourself. You know, this this okay. process is very prescriptive here, but in a real design thinking project, you, you you configure your own process anyways. You don't follow slavishly these bubbles. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 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 practice principles, mindset principles, and and techniques, and all these three things together are what what make up kind of a design thinking way. Exactly. However, you see, this is very generic because this is a deconstruction framework. I, I don't remember from whom it was. Maybe it was even Edward Steaming. Um, but this is something you can apply to everything. You can put a, a lean startup over it from every, anything. So the, so the question is what's behind all these dimensions in the end. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Is I was just wondering, on your T-shirt, it says, always run a changing system. And of course, yes. I mean, I it took me 45 minutes, but now I realize, of course, the, the other one is never change, uh, what, ne what, never change a running team or never change a running system. So it's kind yes. of a play on, <laughs> on, on, on this. And I re so is that one of the principles or is that a, an additional one? That has nothing to do with design thinking oh, was, in okay. general. I mean, it has because in order to, to, to change a system, you have to intervene. Uh, I would say poke the system, see how it reacts. And only then you can see um, if it's sensi sensible or, yeah, your intervention that you do with the system, because again, problem and solution co-evolve. Um, so in a way, yes, we could say it's part of design thing, but it has to do with something else. It has to do with innovation systems. Maybe we can talk about it by the end of the podcast. No. Okay. So okay. maybe if we can just, um, I think, I mean, firstly, for, for listeners, I think you should definitely go and visit this this page on Codify. It's, it's really nicely done and a lot of information here. So it's it's really nice to recommend it. Um, so um, Jan... Uh, Vermouth was talking about uh, how he re retained the post-its and how um, he didn't like that necessarily or that's what stuck out for him. For me, I always, in my lack of knowledge of, of design thinking, I always associated it with, with process. So what you call uh, design thinking practice. And, and I always thought, okay, 
what is the that what is the philosophy and and i mean as the listeners know we are all three kind of into uh, this jobs to be done framework Just and this offers it. really a, a a framework a lens a, a way of seeing the world and it's not really a mindset it's it's really a kind of a philosophy about how 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 things work somehow or a theory about how things work and and this is always the thing that i never quite understood in design thinking what what is i, I mean how do we understand the notion of, of desire or of, uh, how do we understand that you know do, do we make things that people want products or services that people want what does it mean to want something i mean i get the feeling this notion never appears in design thinking but um, as I have the opportunity to talk to an expert, I'd love to ask that question. Um, I mean, design thinking claims, you, you remember this Venn diagram, um, the risk dimensions, desirability, viability, feasibility. Mm -hmm. And depending with whom you ask, they, they, they add all kinds of things. Today's sustainability or others contextuality or strategy fit or something like this. Mm. Because there are risk dimensions, um, you need to de-risk and design thinking plays very well in the desirability risk dimension and a little bit also in, in, in the feasibility. That's what it claims. And, um, and now to answer your question, it, the, the thing is, what, what we always have to say um, to, I don't know if to answer the question, but it just comes to mind. We, we always say to, to our um, clients in, in projects that um, it's not important that, that the people uh, are experts for their daily life. They cannot tell you what the solution will be the best solution. And they can also um, <clears throat> not express their needs in such a way that um, I don't want to use the word latent needs or something here, uh, but they cannot, it's hard for them to express it in such a way that it's totally clear what, what, what they need. Sometimes you have to build a solution, um, test with them and see if their life gets easier, but that, that they can they immediately recognize and then, then you meet their needs. And, and that's, that's the thing, um, that's the power about this prototyping um, in design thinking that you, um, well, can uncover needs or if, if you meet, meet or have you met needs by presenting a prototype or putting a prototype prototype in front of them. I don't know if this answers the question, but that comes to well, mind. Well, it, it kind of it goes back to, to the discussion we had previously about deciding on the direction to, to go in when you're, when you're prototyping, especially when you're testing for desirability. Um, which is the tricky one, I would, <laughs> I think, you know, I mean, mm, um, yes. it's the one you need to get right, because otherwise all the rest doesn't really matter. If there's no desire for what you build, then forget it. Uh, so I think this is, it, it kind of throws us back to this. How do you decide what, what is the philosophy to tell you what to, that tells you or gives you a direction as to what it is that you should be building? That, uh, that's always what I felt was kind of lacking in design oh. thinking. And I wonder what, what the... Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, what, what, what we do is and what, 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 what design thinking is very powerful at is visualizing the, the context of the user or the chooser that we design for. So we have all these artifacts on the wall. We have photos, we have videos, we have the journey maps with all the struggles that they have. If you now would talk in for example, in job to be done terminology and, and the, 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 the forces, um, that push them forward that hold them back, things like that. Yeah. Depending what tools we use, we also use job to be done, but, but honestly, not as deep as, as you do. And, and that helps us to understand, especially if you have a, if a, um, a sponsor user um, with us in the team. First of all, we, we can feel from how how she reacts whether we really captured the whole the whole um, 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 experience, depending on what our scope is. And then um, later on, I don't know if that answers the question. But then but then later on, we 
we build something, intervene in exactly this context and see how people react. Of course, we do not have, um, and that's what I really admire about Jobs to be Done, we do not have the qualitative statements before that and then can later on um, um, use them, uh, ask, ask uh, quantitative questions um, on them and, 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 and validate them. That's also the thing, um, that's what, what I would say, what makes people very uncomfortable with design thinking work, that we have a very small number of people, a small N. It's, mm. For example, with testing, this could be 12 people, also with interviews, usually. And, 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 and the way we, 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 we try to de-risk later a bit more quantitatively, is then we that we go into a different learning cycle um, with with more what what is more a lean startup thing with quantitative experiments for example um, where we also ask for willingness of pay things like that. The, the, there's also a big discussion: is it still designing is lean startup? I don't care. Um, it's the next round of experiments, the next escalation. So we yeah. always try to get signals. So 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 maybe the philosophy is very basic. We try to get positive signals from our users in a very qualitative way that this is a solution that might fit them so that we have a problem solution fit especially yeah I had a I feel, oh, go, go on it was just exactly with what sort of my question and sort of observation was in that um it's so if we if we start with uh, i don't know if you call it empathy but whatever your the initial customer interviews with design thinking is it is it fair to say that it's standard or you're fairly comfortable with with purely uh, qualitative methods, let's say high percentage of the time uh, to to understand the customer as opposed to needing, uh, you know, quantitative data. Would that be a, a fair statement? Well, in projects, no, that, that no, I wouldn't say that because okay. uh, in, in project, in, I mean, in, in, in a learning experience, you don't have the time to do quantitative research, but for example, in projects, you also do, you would. it can be so different. You start with questionnaires, um, it's, it, you mix it. It's mixed methods, definitely. Hmm. However, I mean, it's it's a good question. We, if, if you don't have a professional uh, user researcher on the team who studied anthropology, ethnography, whatever, um, you have a problem because we don't have a, a very structured, um, widely distributed that everyone knows um, way to inventory needs. And job to be done um, has provided a great answer to that. And this is why over the years we also uh, yeah. was were very interested in that and tried to see how can we all incorporate it into design thinking because what job to be done brings with it is, and that's what's really cool, a, a grammar to formulate the need statements in a very structured way. And we didn't have that before, at least not to my knowledge. And suddenly you are able to um, resonate more with very structured people. I observed it with mathematicians, engineers, and so on, chemists. Yeah. They liked it way more than the fuzzy, don't you feel the, the emotional component of this need? Yeah, so, so um, so by the way, there's but, but, no judgment in, even in that question at all. I mean, in fact, we've talked to two two folks already, fantastic uh, interviewers, and, and they highly rely on qualitative methods. And so, no no judgment in that question whatsoever. Just really trying to understand. But you're saying that if for a for a project, it is it is more common for you to do some quantitative work also before beginning your cycles of prototyping. Is that right? Okay. Both, both, both also in the so-called understanding phase, the first bubble, let's say of the Potsdam design thinking model. Right. Um, there sometimes you have to do normal desk research, very normal mm. business intelligence work. Of course, you need to understand the, the big picture first. Yeah. I think that's really important to say. I mean, I think, I think this is really, really a difference between, at least from my perspective, how design thinking is perceived and then because you get these half day workshops and you kind of run through the method, but, but then there is, if you really do, as you distinguish them, but if you really do a project, it seems like that's just a very, it's a generic kind of steps, but then it can really be the tools in there can, can different jobs to be done, can be a part of it and, and, and so on. And I think that's project. really important to, to emphasize. Yes. Exactly. Pro again, 
you will realize that um, if someone says, and it will be a lie if someone says, um, solve this problem or create a new business model in two days, um, with design thinking, yeah. you know, he's lying. Um, and this is then the project design thinking that it can be the external, external consultancy for some reason wants to sell you, but it's not true. Uh, I love that you, you say can... this, by the way, because I think there's, there's people running around who sell and, and I really think it's kind of a dishonest well, anyway. So it, yes, important stuff it takes time. Like, yes, yes, exactly. So, so actually, I mean, um, as you say, I think people who have more of an engineering mindset might be attracted to something like jobs to be done. And I actually have come to the understanding quite recently that there are, you can, you, you can probably um, distinguish different schools of, of, uh, or, or approaches to innovation or design. And, and there's two very big general categories, I would say, or, or there are more than two, but there's at least one and the other, I'm not quite sure what it is yet, but there's one which is what, what, what I think Jobs To Be Done falls into is, is kind of um, focusing on goals, problems and solutions. So it's, it's goal directed. Um, and, and then you have all, I think every, all the people who don't like for example, jobs we don't don't feel comfortable. They don't like this idea that you can start with goals. And I've always, I, I've been really trying to find um, arguments against jobs to be done uh, quite a lot lately. And uh, and and I find it quite difficult to to be honest. But I think now this dichotomy, I've now finally kind of understood where the problem lies. It's in this goal thinking, and. Uh, it, actually, if we go back to the first articles in design thinking, so the, the original, the um, uh, Rittel uh, and Weber articles uh, called uh, Dilemma and General Theory of Planning, he criticizes exactly this. He's, he talks about wicked problems and how, um, you know, we can't solve this in a goal with a, it, it, like with a problem solution mindset. Well, Richard Buchanan talks about this also in the later articles, all these seminal design thinking articles. And, and also there's this um, um, effectuation um, approach, which uh, Sarasvati just uh, got a prize for uh, lately. I'm not quite sure which one, which is also not really goal-directed. The idea is you start from where you are and try and explore. And, and I think... I think this is the big um, uh, like line in the sand. It's, it's like, okay, are you going for goals or are you trying to define goals or, or are you doing something else, some other approach? And I'm still trying to wrap my mind around what is that other thing? Because just naturally I fall in the goal space just because that's the way I think. But mm. I mean, I don't know what, what do you guys think about that? I mean, this, is this something that, that you, resonates with you? Or? If, if you want to say something, I... I... I have something, but I'm also go happy on, to let give you the. I, I don't know if it's the same because I'm, I mean, I read quite a lot about jobs to be done. I, I know about the schools of thought and so on and so forth. However, I, I'm not an expert in it. Definitely not, uh, not deep. Um, but the way we usually apply them um, and, 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 and I, I like to, to, to understand them is always that we look at the desired and undesired outcomes. Is that also goal related or what you would say is, is, is part of, of the goal uh, school or is that something else? I, I definitely would say it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say okay. it, it is. And um, yeah. Good. I, okay, good. I wasn't going to say so to somebody else spoke first, but yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Because um, whatever you do, um, <clears throat> I, I talked about these levels beforehand, you know, design thinking uh, or design 1.0, uh, communication problems, two, service process, whatever problems, three, design 3.0, um, these um, intervening in organizations and systems, and 4.0, um, 
planet, communities, and so on and so, on and so forth. It's, it's called, I just used that one. There are many, Buchanan also has uh, this, this metrics and so on and so forth. There are many of these models. I just used that one because um, in LinkedIn, people use it quite often because there's uh, GK van Petter from Humantific in New York who who likes to post about that everywhere. Yeah, so it, 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 it's a nice way to look at it. And the thing is, um, now back to desired and undesired outcomes. If you intervene in the context of a user in order to poke the system and see how it reacts and if that's a reaction which is beneficial uh, to the user because it might solve this problem, um, then, then, then before you poke there and, 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 and see what kind of reaction it might be, you need to inventory a little bit the desired and undesired outcomes. So, 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 so we do that in our um, design work too. However, we of course, by poking, find new um, desired and undesired outcomes. Or you could also say um, we find um, unintended consequences, if you look a bit from, from systems thinking perspective. And, and this is why the prototyping or the, the, the going, well, starting with something um, helps us uncover these. Hmm. So that's the only thing that comes to mind now when, when, when I think about your question. Um, and again, there we are with this co-evolution of problem and solution space. And in, in Job to be Done, I sometimes saw the tendency to really inventory everything upfront and, and not have these, these cycles of poking the system and intervening in the context and see how it reacts and find jobs to be done that might have been hidden because we haven't poked. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, mm -hmm. but yeah, that comes to mind. Makes total sense. And I, and I believe actually, if you can kind of mix up these two approaches and you can get a really powerful result, you at some point in, you're going to think about what are the, the, the desired outcomes, then you make a test and then you update them. And I think having that kind of loop, I think jobs to be done with agile methodologies in general is a pretty good idea. Well, one thing that certainly that would bring to light working with the prototype or, or what we would call consumption jobs, just a, a quick example. So I've got my phone here. So we all have probably access to our finances on our phone. So if you think about two outcomes, minimize the time to access my financial data. Right. So that would be purely what we want to accomplish, right? Minimize the time to access my financial data. Also, we'd have security. We have a lot of other things. But as soon as you hand me this, now I have consumption jobs with using it. Like, with, yeah. well, before that, with learning to use it, how do I figure out how to do this? Um, and what's that? And, what's that, and then with actually using it, like how long does it, you know, what actually do I do? Is it confusing? And so if you hand this to me, then now I'm going to respond to to this thing, right, which could be different, um, which is a different thing and actually how quickly it helps you to do it if you knew to do it, if that makes sense. So that is, so that's the category of outcomes. It occurs to me that the new outcomes is it's not so much at the core thing you want to accomplish as much as interfacing with this thing. I, I can't figure out what to do or I'm shaking it or I can't. Or I, or I can't remember my password or or all yeah. these other things interacting with it. But so that's one thing that jobs to be done would would separate the core function that it does, plus the what we would call consumptions for working with whatever the device is. Mm -hmm. That makes yeah. sense. I'm just curious with design syncing, do you do you uh, separate those or is it are those kind of all all together? And does that distinction make sense? First of all, I should ask. I would have to need it more in, in uh, understand it more. I would I would have to understand it more in detail. I I'm not sure if I'm if I can really give um, an answer that makes makes sense on that. I mean these 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 I, I, from your last episodes I heard about, about the core con consumption uh, jobs, um, but I don't know. I'm I'm here. I'm unsure. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> The, so we, we yeah. separate the core function of what the thing helps you to do. Yes. All right. That's that's one category, and then another mm -hmm. another. So let me, let me give a, a different example. The um. So 
if so mowing the lawn uh, sorry I, I, my background is john deere so i just i go to mowing the lawn so so the accord functional job is mowing the lawn and if you're trying to understand all the if you wanted to improve your ability to do that then you'd look at how uneven the grass is and you yes. these qualities of how how well the lawn is mowed right yes yes now as soon as i hand you a mower to use now I'm giving getting a different set of outcomes around steering and and operating the machine, operating and turning it on, storing the machine and repairing the machine. All these are different than how how nice that lawn is after. So so the two differences is one is the core functional job is how well is that job done, meaning how well how beautiful is my lawn, if you will, and then the other one is jobs using this product using this machine so if i give you a a push mower i'm going to get a different set of needs it's, it changes by solution i'm gonna get a different set of needs than if i if you have a robot mower where you're just programming it in and it goes versus something yes. you try yes yes yes. Yes, yes yes so does that distinction make better sense now yes that, that totally makes sense it's 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 you zoom in from what the thing generally does for you to how it's during usage, then you can zoom out or go go before you start using it into the sales journey, so to speak. And and, and there are all these different jobs um, depending on which which level you look at. Uh-huh. Yeah. In my very so, easy so, uh, words. Okay. Is, is is this the find cheap airfares quickly um comment that you're trying to uh <laughs> Uh, that we talked about with Jim Kalbach. It's that idea, you know, that, that jobs to be done separates the metric, so the, the desired outcomes from the job, which is the goal you're trying to achieve. So, Well, here's, that, here's the difference. By the way, I am I am undefeated in confusing people on this point. I'm glad that, <laughs> as I've taught it, so I'm glad to know my streak continues. Here's, here's, one, here's one key difference, a, a way to separate them. The core job does not mention the solution. Even mm -hmm. though you mow the lawn, this kind of solution, but it's that's because you're you're presuming that. Mm -hmm. But so it's it's solution. So minimize the time to access my financial data. You don't know if it's a computer. You don't know if I'm. I could be driving to the bank and asking the banker how how much money do I have, versus so it's completely solution independent. Consumption jobs refer to a solution. So now minimize the time to to punch in the code or minimize it. You know you have all these things about. You refer to the device yeah. as opposed yeah, now I get it. to the time to access my financial data does not refer to anything at all. That's, that's probably maybe a more clear way to describe that. Mm, yes, yes, yes. So, so yeah, let's translate it. Let's translate it to design thinking yeah. uh, practice. Um, yeah. the, 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 the core job to be done uh, to have this English loan, a uh, moan that must be really beautiful. Uh, I can refer to my parents there. That's, that's their <laughs> job. Um, I even had a talk, talk about that once. Um, this can be um, achieved by different solutions. Uh, there can come the gardener. They can have the robot. They can have a sheep. They can have whatever. Yeah. Then, then there's difference up and downsides to the solution I choose. And those we test them. <laughs> oh, and by the way, this, 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 this. We, we phrase then this core job to be done into a how might we question, of course, and then we brainstorm around it. How might we create an, an um, English moan or an English garden for, and then insert persona here, in a way that, uh, and then uh, in, uh, in, um, include the constraints because constraints increase excitement. So, 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 so that would be the thing. But then if you go to the solution, um, this could be the sheep. Then suddenly we have all these, 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 these. Feeding the sheep, storing the sheep, uh, keeping the sheep, exactly. dying. It's a exactly. different list than if they're using yeah. a robot or a service. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And I, I mentioned this, this seems significant with design thinking because of this iterative back end, right? Because at some point you are committing to some solution form. So if you're going to, if you're, uh, if you're bringing the customers a sheep, you're not going to get needs about updating the software on the robot, right? Here's and, the and, thing. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, yes. go ahead. This is why this is why we always find these so-called design principles, because if we observe our users in their context, we see that, for example, they might have no electricity around there, or that 
whatever uh, the solution is, it needs to be totally silent because they're on an environment where it's not allowed to create value with a device that makes sounds. I, I really like the, the concept of affordances here. Just to give an example before I go on further with this. You can create value with a camera in a church if there's a wedding. It's totally fine and appropriate uh, um, to, 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 to take photos. Now I switch context by just changing one thing, namely the event. It's a um, Beerdigung, what's the English a word? Funeral. It's, uh, it's a funeral, thank you. It's a funeral. Suddenly it's inappropriate to take photos, except maybe for the photograph. So you have the same device, but you cannot create value with it. Um, and it, 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 yeah, and, and you could even look at this context uh, might also change even the, the, the jobs to be done of, of, of solutions. So to come back, we call that design principles um, in, in, in design thinking or in designer language, where we say whatever the solution might be, it has to fulfill these uh, um, principles. And this can be a set of three or four, the less the merrier, but sometimes it can also be 50. But it's it's very confusing. So 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 it's usually I don't know from 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 four to twelve or something like this. Hmm. And this answers then probably maybe a little bit your question on how we arrive on in choosing a solution, because we gather the design principles and sometimes we also find them by intervening with a certain prototype in a context and realizing ah oh, we haven't thought about that. Um, it, it 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 shouldn't make too much noise. I work for example with um with a team and they created a device for farmers and then it made too much noise and 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 that, that made the the, the chicken uh, to, uh, to to the chicken went wild because of that um, and so they couldn't put it next to, to a chicken barn um, and they learned that and they realized okay either we can't put it there but it's usually the way it's put so we have to do something else and that's then a design principle uh, a certain decibel cannot be um yeah, reached okay. So these are yeah, kind of maybe like, that is that yeah. if I understand correctly, so you're within either at the beginning or during the process, you kind of uncover almost like the con constraints around the solutions, like you predefine certain things that the solution to be found out has exactly. to fill. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And, here's the, the, and here's the thing, you, you would call that the metric, because in the end, uh, this can be a metric. It needs to be silent. So, so when does the customer know that the solution works for him if it's silent enough for this environment? Yeah. Um, but it's also, I think, in, in jobs, I mean, how we applied. So it's very hard to be completely, completely solution-free. And I don't think in most of the cases that actually makes sense. So I think even if we do it unconsciously sometimes, but 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 we try to make this decision as conscious as possible, that at the beginning of a project you define in a, in a, in a broad sense, but you still need to define the, the solution space in a certain sense. But there is no, I mean, there is, it's a myth that people just go out there and find whatever user needs and then build a green field where it, it that I've never in my life, have I, I see, okay, I'm not that old, but still. So I never, so Scott is nodding. So probably you have, I mean, that's not how it works. You generally, you have a set of solution constraints in a certain sense and, and you go from there. And I think it's very important in jobs we've done that we, but we do this, but do this consciously so that you're calling this design principles or however you want to call it, but we make this decision consciously in the framing phase as we, as we would call this. And, and but when you do it consciously, you 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 have to know you're excluding certain possible solutions, but you're including another. So, I think that is something. Again, maybe it's important to be solution free in a certain sense, but it's in no way can you be completely solution free. I believe. Right. If your company makes robots, you're not going to start selling sheep. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. I mean that that becomes, and to some degree, like in in jobs we've done, I think you know we. We adhere tightly to, I hate to even use the word ideology, but whatever it is. And then it, it's almost like we suspend our common sense a little bit, where I think that with the, the, the I'm just gross generalization here, but the design thinking practitioner does not give up, does not set their common sense aside. It's just sort of all, it's always there. And, and we, we have to come back around to it, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but it's almost like, 
I think how a job to done practitioner would would defend it is like, well, I know the I have to know the rules, but then I can break them. I know the rules. Mm -hmm. I say, then, but even in my example, mow the lawn. There's actually a mowing. I mean, actually, even I broke my own rule in a way. No, yeah, make the lawn or, or but it was have not a ridiculous to go to a customer and say, "Tell me your challenge is shortening the grass." I mean, it, you know, it just it, it, nobody talks that way. Yeah. Nobody talks mm -hmm. that way. That's too too abstract. Exactly. So you have yes. to. We, we have to. We think in these abstract terms. Then we we have to sort of intentionally come bring our common yeah. sense back in they're mowing the grass you know come come, come back down to this. but anyway i thought that was it just seemed well let me mention this too i thought it was it was when when repetition and iteration at the end was so important that's why i felt like that was at least it, that was that was worth drawing out the type of information um that you would uncover there oh and now now i've lost my train of thought Oh, I know what I was going to say. With I think with jobs we done practitioners, we often think of sort of the end as we've delivered this prioritized set of needs. Very common. And clearly, with design thinking, you're just getting started. You're just you're begin you you you're the ideation, the uh, you know moving forward, prototyping. And I I think that's something um, that. Um, well, we, even if if a client just if you just hand them over this beautiful set of perfect prioritized needs, they they absolutely struggle to know what to do with it. And I see certainly a great benefit to your clients is you're still you you're it's the project you're still with them through the, through those cycles. And I think that's something probably the average jobs to be done practitioner yeah. could learn from from design thinking. And of course, that's a lot what we're looking for. Like, what can we learn from? Yeah. I think that's yeah, a. Yeah. And if you boil it down, being human centric, which is what you are too, and and prototype and test to learn, yeah, that that would be my if I would were to explain it to my kids, my my easy definition then of design thinking, not as complicated as the one that I mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but also comes to mind. Um, I mean, we just or we worked with a client and they did some fancy stuff, industry 4.0 with AI and blah blah blah. I'm not allowed to talk about that, but um, if you zoom back in time, you can compare it with a, with, with, with a story that I just recently heard, which was really funny. Um, there was a problem with empty packages of toothpaste all the time in a factory on the um, um, on the uh, conveyor belt, yeah. Yeah. and and then customers were dissatisfied. And they wanted to get rid of it. So, uh, in terms of total quality management, they they they, they built a scale uh, which costs some million, um, and the scale would uh, weigh the package. Um, and if it was too easy, it would be sorted out uh, or too too lightweight, and otherwise it would go on. And that was classical over engineering. And after a while, the defection rate or the, the rate of of um, um, of, of these packages at the right weight, yes, was was zero, and they asked themselves, "How come? Why?" Um, and then they realized that the um, that the interim or, or was a helper role there that, that had to then sort them out later all the time um, was not automated for some reason. Um, found a nice solution to that because they put a ventilator um, um, a, a bit uh, more up uh, front in, in, in the in the conveyor belt that would. Uh, went down or through the wind uh, the these these empty boxes um, so he wouldn't have to go there all the time to the scale whenever the scale rings the signal signal and um why why do i say that because we realize that in design thinking projects um if you are solution free or try to approach something solution free even though you know that you have industry constraints that you were mentioning scott you know it, and you know I'm a robot builder. I, it might, it has to do needs something has to do with robots later on. Whatever I build here or with software, there might be teams that discover something which is totally different. Um, maybe a manual service or something, or a consulting business, and they might leave the company and just build this thing. Um, this happens. This happens. And what also happens is in big corporates, multinationals with different business units that when you are in a program where you create new businesses like a venture builder or something that you create something that is not part of your business unit anymore and you need a new target business unit and then they need to find someone who adopts them because suddenly it's all about software and not about building a big machine anymore so we have that all the time um so so yeah. it's side effect of 
thinking solution free and having a, a free challenge. And even if if you come back then to your old trade and to what you do as a, as a core competency, um, giving yourself the space to freak out, that's how I would call it, and have fun and think totally into a direction which might be very unrealistic is a really important part of the creative process because the ridiculous stuff that you come up with there sometimes gives the impetus and the spark for the more realistic stuff later on to come back. And, I love and this, unfortunately, yeah. Sorry, so I was at, back to. I love your phrase as you began with "build to learn." That just that makes sense to me. You think with your hands, and then that would just your brain would work better. I would think, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I agree. I mean, there's. I had once a discussion. I, I unfortunately I can't remember the name, and then, and and they were. So he was an innovation manager at uh, at a London-based company, and then and then he said, "Well, twenty uh, percent of the innovation projects that I oversee are are completely crazy. We're no, we're not going to do anything with those. They don't add any business value. We know uh, we're never going to act upon this." And then I asked him, "Like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, you're wasting m money that's inefficient, blah blah blah." Oh my! And he said, "Well." The point of these things is something else. The point is showing the company what's possible, showing the people um, that we support this kind of thinking. And then it's, so it's to use a, okay, a jargon in a sense, it's a different job that these 20% of innovation uh, projects are hired for. So it, and, and there I understand, I completely understand that that can be an enormously important thing to do in a company, just to, to have a certain space where it's okay to go for crazy ideas because it has an impact on the other 80%. Exactly. And this lateral thinking and the cross-pollination that later happens when these teams talk to other teams who are more on the core business or on adjacent business opportunities yeah. um, can, can move the needle. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, at the beginning, I said we wanted to take a break, which we in the end didn't do. And <laughs> but I think it's very okay. I I kind of I so I would be really interested. You, you touched upon it. You can you, okay. You said you cannot talk about it, but but can you? Uh, and you mentioned this in the discussions we had we had uh, before. So can you talk a little bit more about really codify? What what do you do there? What are the you mentioned also that there is much. I mean, there is part of it is design thinking, but there is also kind of lean that you figured what what do you do there what is what is codify all about so that we have a kind of an impression on the, of this as well yes okay well that's the thing we started out um out of the network from the from the hpi of course yeah i i get that many friends over the years um and um i was really happy about that and together we did lots of projects um mm. And also, I would say that also brought me more into because also during my studies and so on and so forth, I did more um, uh, the real project work. We worked on, pro on, on on products with startups, for example. But then, when I when I went entered the HPI, I went more and more into this learning experience design. Um, that was not something that I was familiar before with. I, I did workshops, but not as professional as, as there. I learned quite a lot, especially also from Holger Reno. Yeah, and so. So um, what we did then, of course, was lots of training. I don't know how many trainings we, have, we did. All these typical design thinking boost camps, but also um, we, we did leadership trainings around what actually design leadership means and so on and so forth. However, so, so this would, I would say that that made in the beginning 80% of what we did um, and, and less and less project work. That was our slider back then. Um, that changed a little bit later because um, we always did that uh, usually as subcontractors for big consultancies um, or for the HPI itself. Okay. Um, and I had several reasons why I wanted my own clients um, and also the, 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 the people um, with whom we founded Codify, Ingo Raut in the beginning and other people. Um, we wanted to build up our own clients where the mandate um, and the setup, how we work with the client is different because unfortunately we have been part of lots of innovation theater i i'm yeah i have to admit that um so we went into lots of um, organizations or had to go there um, and prematurely scale their design thinking activities yeah 
I mean, I had so weird jobs. I, I even wrote a post-legitimization um, um, line of reasoning for a DAX company once um, that they needed after they introduced design thinking after some years. And everyone asked, why do we do that again? And they, 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 hadn't, they, they did not have an answer for that. And so, so I, I was part of that. So it's crazy what happened there. Mm. And we thought, no, we have to do it differently because during our time at the HPI, when we did the study, we had contact with lots of very inspiring um, Vanguard organizations that uh, scaled design thinking and not only design thinking, because design thinking never comes alone, also Lean Startup and, 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 and Scrum and other agile um, approaches in a very clever way. And they did so by changing the system, um, okay. the innovation system, that's at least how I call it. Uh, and we knew all that. Uh, we knew which things work well context agnostically. We knew which things you can't just copy and paste. And so we thought whenever we want to work with someone, we at least want to try to not just jump in another project that then will totally bog down by the organization because they don't have a, 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 a good uh, venture um, creation pipeline established. Usually they have stage gates and, 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 and new product development processes, which are very anti-design thinking and lean startup. And, and this is why we thought with Codify, we could do that. Um, and then we were so okay. naive to think we could do that with the German mechanical engineering companies, the bigger ones. We still call them Mittelstand, like uh, uh, SMEs. Yeah. But but uh, they have five to twenty thousand employees. They're huge. So yeah, yeah. they're huge. So so I don't know why we call them Mittelstand, but they are really huge. And so and we thought because this is the core of the German economy, and we wanted to do something there. They are laggards when it comes to digitalization. Let's work with them. Hmm. Boy, where we naive. <laughs> oh. um, it's. I mean, I I love to work with engineers. I have such a big. Uh, we at Codify in general, we have such a big heart for engineers, and, and 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 they are so. I mean, it's also it's still it's lots of fun. However, um, what we realized is um, it, we have to take it very slow, um, mm -hmm. especially with with going in there with chemically and 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 co-evolving. There have, mm -hmm. we have the co-evolution again the training of people, let's say in design thinking, business design, lean startup um, and other things. But uh, in the meantime, creating the conditions so that they can really apply what they've learned. And then on the meantime, uh, creating the environment that these projects can move through the pipeline. It's really tough because there are so many things you will have to touch. And it's also the, the longer, this is why I said in the very beginning, sometimes I wonder how I ended up here. I mean, I started with working on things um, and now I'm working more on, on um, and we as Codify in general, we work more on trying to help makers to unfold their potential in, in the environments they are. Mm. Um, yeah, sometimes we say we, we don't fish for you anymore. We only teach to fish or we help you to build the fisher's hat. hat. <laughs> Is that the right <laughs> word? Yeah. And the okay. gear. Mm. Okay. So the this is what we do with yeah, Codify. Yeah. Mm. And it's tough. It's tough, but it's fun. <laughs> they usually yeah. to go together. Oh, sorry, don't go on. Yeah, you say on your website, over the years, we realized two things. Our intermediaries often did not, uh, did only share aspects of our thinking and working philosophy. Uh, thus, we found ourselves in lots of innovation theater and the promotion of quick fix recipes as well as management fashions. Furthermore, the organizations we were deployed to rarely had innovation support structures in place to make both training as well as project work a success for the long term. Yes, yes, exactly like this. Exactly like this. And, and, and the real story behind it is even crazier because... Um, in, in terms of general life goals, um, my business partner Chris and I, and also Elias and Ingo, we would like to live in a world. Um, it's 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 again this what's our purpose and on the world in in a greener Europe, but also in a, in, in a world that really is more sustainable. Yeah? And um, my, my business partner Chris is a big expert in circular economy things like that. So and also our current biggest client is Rock Tech. 
the first European or German, I don't know if it's the first European, maybe even the Europe first European uh, uh, lithium hydrous, uh, hydrous hydroxide converter. Um, okay. And we think about how, how, how this business model can be circular. Uh, Chris does that at least. So, so these are the things we want to work at. And we always thought we have a big leverage at these companies that have a, a, a big uh, raw material input and output. Um, so we could help them um, close their material loops um, and develop business models around it. And then you need lots of service design and, 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 and service dominant logic thinking, things like that. The problem is that <laughs> we realize, oh, they don't think business model, they think product. Hmm. Okay, so we have to change that, intervene there. Then realize, oh, they can't think that because um, their teams are dysfunctional or they, are, they, they have too much silos or, or, or and then we had to intervene in that and so on and so forth. So, so first we need to prepare these companies, but they can't be prepared. And it's very unlikely that such business models, uh, which are beneficial for future generations will emerge if the whole system is geared against these innovators that will build them. So we have to change the system. Um, but then you ask yourself, hmm, okay, so how many years do I still have before I retire? And <laughs> with, whom, with whom do I take these things? Yeah, so, so that's yeah. How, how, how I, that's my personal um, um, way how I ended up there. And I ended up as the architect. Somehow, that's at least how they call me internally, whereas other people at Codify, Ingo has become a leadership coach, whereas Chris still is doing, is doing uh, more the business design work, whereas I do that only rarely. So, so I totally uh, left okay. this field yeah. or only do it maybe once a year or something like this. Mm. I think it's very fitting that kind of codify your roles, how you understand yourself also is kind of changing all the time. I just think that's just... I, I, if it would be otherwise, it would be really surprised. So, and by the way, I have to mention this. I really love, um, I mean, you in general, I think Codify as, as well, as much as you can, you really do. I mean, you build as much as you can in public. You share, you're really quite honest and transparent. So go, I mean, go on the website, go on whatever. And it, you just share a lot, which I which I really appreciate. I mean, it's also something we, we, we believe in heavily that just share your stuff. I mean, it just, we all want to kind of lift the boat or boats or whatever. I don't know what the expression really is, but you know what I mean. So there's an old expression. Um, see if I can remember this, give away your best and then sell the rest. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. I would love to do that more. I, I'm happy that you say that Jan, because I, I, I just started recently because there was also a time when we, when we had no time at all for, for all of these because of private, things and so on and so forth so sure. i i hope to write more in the future yeah even more <laughs> well the truth <laughs> is most companies and folks there product managers leaders you know they are not and don't want to be deep experts in a lot of these things they've got other things they're doing so it, um as it's uh you know and if some of them want to become experts and, and take it internally great well you know we're usually happy to help them do that in fact we love that i think in fact that makes things a lot better but you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot to be gained by trying to control and kind of hide, keep all your everything secret. I mean, yeah, you don't, you, you know, I don't know. It's just sort of philosophically. I'm just, I, I enjoy uh, thinking about things, writing about things, getting things out there, and then, then having great conversations like this today, just to to better learn. And you know, after we're all going to die one day, we can't take it all with us. So, yeah. <laughs> That's true. And also your thoughts are only refined um, if someone challenges this. That's why I like uh, Jonathan's yeah. <laughs> uh, approach there saying, I want to find reasons against jobs to be done. <laughs> I would also like to fi find reasons against what I'm doing and writing, because only then you can see if it really yeah. truly stands the test of time or of practice. Yeah. Um, but Jonathan, you have to watch out. I'm sure he has two or three questions there on his paper where he would crush design thinking and jobs to be. So, <laughs> but he's too polite to ask. So. No, well, I, I did have one, but I think the moment is I, 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 I honestly, I told you that 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 I that, that we did this uh, um, therapeutic uh, um, study. So 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 I'm totally at ease with 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 it now. So crush it. Perfect. So. I think that's kind of a perfect place to end this. Uh, 
thank you so much, Jan, for doing this. Uh, very pleasant discussion, very engaging. I, I love to learn more about design thinking. It's something I, I, I really enjoy because, as, as Scott mentioned, it's, it's something I think where jobs to be done can learn from as well. So thank you so much for doing this. That concludes today's Product Quest podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks um, to you, of course, Jan, again. Please send any comments, guests, uh, or topic recommendations or ideas for any future shows to productquestpodcast.gmail.com. See you next time. I think you all have the same name. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I think I'm the only one.